This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expositive story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. This was it. The people of Israel were gathered surrounding the two altars being built. And Elijah looked at the people and said, This is it? This is time to put up or shut up? This is the time, Israel, when you need to stop waffling, wandering, wobbling, wavering between two opinions. Either Yahweh is God or he is not. Which is it going to be? Literally, Elijah says to the people, how long will you limp about between two opinions? That's what the Hebrew word there means. He says to the people in 1 Kings 18, which is it? Either Yahweh is God or Baal is God. If Yahweh is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, you better follow him instead. But stop limping back and forth, people. You have to choose. Who will you choose? Yahweh or Baal? Now remember, last week... Elijah said to Ahab, hey, time to put up or shut up. Let's show up to Mount Carmel. You get your 450 prophets of Baal and your 400 prophetesses of Asherah and show up against me. And we'll see whose God is bigger and the best. Show up to Mount Carmel. So here comes Ahab. You know, I can imagine Ahab shows up to Mount Carmel. And now I want to say Mount Carmel is the perfect place to do battle between Yahweh and Baal. Because this is essentially what this is. It's a battle between the almighty God and some shriveling little demon called Baal. But it's a battle of supernatural forces. and, And this mountain, Mount Carmel, borders between Israel, Yahweh's territory, Yahweh's people, though really 
Yahweh is God over it all, but he still claims Israel. Mount Carmel borders Phoenicia, which is the land where Baal was supposed to rule. And it's also interesting because Mount Carmel, it juts out into the Mediterranean Sea. And if you looked west on the top of Mount Carmel, you could see the Mediterranean Sea in all its splendor stretching out before you. It rose about to 1,700 feet at its highest point. And so Elijah, I think, shows up early, before Ahab. And then slowly, you know, the news gets out. Hey, Israel, show up to Mount Carmel. We're going to see the greatest battle of all time. Hey, show up to Mount Carmel. King Ahab is calling all Israel there. And so after a couple of days, the reporters arrive first. You know, they got to get the best seats. And here the people of Israel begin to straggle in. And then arrives the grand show. I can imagine King Ahab and his royal entourage. Big band playing. He's probably being carried up the mountain so he doesn't have to get his feet dirty and someone's feeding him grapes and he's probably on some big bed that they have to carry on their shoulders and somebody's switching his headphones so his iPod earbuds don't get too sweaty and behind Ahab on his beautiful bed of roses and finery are the 450 prophets of Baal. Think about it. 450 of them. Now, some people think they probably wore some long white robes. And can you imagine how grand a scene that must have been? King Ahab, probably some musical instruments of some kind. All of Ahab's entourage and then 450 prophets of Baal dressed in white. And I can imagine they all grouped together on one side of Mount Carmel. Because at the top of Mount Carmel, it was sort of a plateau where the people of Israel could be and see. And on one side were these 450 prophets of Baal. And then here come thousands of Israelites. And they begin to surround Elijah, who is on the other side. And there is Ahab and his 450 prophets on the other side and all of Israel around. And I think they began to sit down, the people of Israel. Because they want to check out the action. And then finally, can you imagine, after being surrounded with wall-to-wall people, the 450 prophets of Baal, all of Ahab's entourage, and Elijah and his servant. So imagine Elijah is there with his servant, and they're surrounded by thousands of people. And they look over and stare at all this huge mass of people. Talk about David versus Goliath. Talk about the odds stacked against them. 450 prophets of Baal against one. But guess who speaks to the people? Guess who stands up? And he says, How long will you limp between two opinions, Israel? He yells out and it echoes off the surrounding rocky walls. Echoes from the mountains. How long will you limp between Yahweh and Baal? You've got to choose. You have to choose. See, I think the people of Israel were pretty fickle. 
Sometimes they would call out to Yahweh when they thought Baal isn't working out. Sometimes they would call out to Baal and they just followed the God, whichever appealed to them at the moment. And when Elijah calls out and says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And you know what the people responded with? Nothing. That's what the Bible says. The people didn't answer him a word. Utter silence. Well, Elijah says, okay, you're going to have to choose between two opinions here, Israel. Yahweh or Baal. And the people were caught in their hypocrisy and they were stunned in silence. Can you imagine it? Thousands of people said absolutely nothing. And I want to say that question is still true today. Who are you going to choose? Jesus, the Son of God, or your latest idol? Jesus, the Son of God, or some other religion that offers something else? Jesus, the Son of God, or some other little G-God who promises something through their religion. Or yourself, or your pride. Or, hey, you know what? There is no God. I'm an atheist. Or, or you know what? I just choose not to choose. Or, you know what? I choose me and what I can become. Or, you know what? I'm just too busy to choose. I've got stuff going on, John. I don't have time to choose. The question still comes today. Who are you going to choose? A lot of people call upon Jesus when they're in trouble, you know. Jesus, take the wheel. My car's spinning out of control. I'm, I'm about to go off the highway. Hey, I'll promise you everything when I'm about to drown Jesus. But, you know, when things are good, they forget the promises they made. They forget to follow Jesus. They went for it as an eight-year-old, but when the pressure starts to mount in high school and middle school to follow Jesus, they're like, mm. Well, I gotta forget about Jesus for now until another problem occurs and Jesus can swoop in and solve it. And Elijah's saying, no. You have to decide, Israel. And that question and that demand and that choice comes down to us today. Who are you going to choose? Jesus or something else? Well, Elijah moves on and he says, this is what we're going to do. If you look over there, you'll see 450 prophets of Baal, but only one prophet of Yahweh. I'm the only one here and we're going to go to battle. We have two bulls here. We brought these bulls up here. It was hard getting them up that cliff there, but we got them up here and they are the finest bulls in the area. And I want the prophets of Baal. You have the first pick. You pick a bull, you pick of these two bulls, you pick which one you want, and then I'm going to take the remaining bull, and we are going to offer him to our gods. You're going to offer your bull to Baal, I'm going to offer my bull to Yahweh, and here's the deal. The God who answers with fire by burning up the offering, his God will be our God, Israel. Do we like that choice? And the people say, oh, I sort of like it. Yeah, and they start, you know. And, and what, what was that choice again? Okay, we're going to take a bull. Baal, 450 prophets are going to sacrifice their bull. 
I will sacrifice my bull. They're going to sacrifice their bull to Baal. I will sacrifice my bull to Yahweh and the God that answers with flaming fire and burns up that offering. You can't make that fire yourself. No, the fire has to come from your God. When that fire comes down, whosoever God answers with fire, Israel, that's your God. You got to choose that God. Do we like that? And the people are like, yeah, 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 okay, all right, yeah, 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 that seems fair, that seems fair. And this time the people did answer him. And they said, yeah, that sounds fair to us. Let's do it. So the prophets of Baal start out first. You know, they gathered rocks and began to build their altar to Baal. You know, they built up the base platform with boulders, and then they laid the wood upon the rocks. And then they take the bull and slaughter him on top of the altar. Now, remember, they had 450 prophets to do this. I wonder if the whole time they're trying to cheat. You know, well, let's put in some matches. Let's do a cigarette lighter here. Let's try to get a nice string going from the altar over here, and we'll we'll light it and we'll trick him in. So I can imagine his manservant is running around. Hey, hey, don't cheat. Hey, 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 no, no, I can see that cigarette lighter. Take take that pick out of there. You know, whatever they're doing, they're trying to keep things, but they've got 450 prophets to build the altar, to slaughter the bull. Well, after they're done with all that, building the altar, slaughtering the bull, they then begin to dance. And they dance around the altar, and they start to move, and, and then they, they cry out, Oh, Baal, answer us! I'm sure they brought their own Baal version of Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, you know, blah, blah. They brought out their sackbutt horn, and their the biggest heavy metal death metal band they could have. And they danced around the altar, and they danced and danced, and they played their music, and they called out to their god from morning until noon. I'm sure when their mega death wasn't working, they brought out their bale version of... Miley Cyrus or Justin Bieber or whoever. Hey, dance music, let's try that. So they brought all that out and they cried out to their God and they yelled and it says they kept going and then round about noon. They start early morning and round about noon, Elijah cries out. He starts mocking them, you know, taunting them. Hey, hey. What a dance, you call that good. <laughs> that guy keeps stepping on his sheets. That guy's, oh, oh, but he fell over. <laughs> and he starts mocking them. And, and then he openly mocked them and yells out, Hey, where is Baal? You better shout louder. He can't hear you. Louder, cry louder. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he's gone on a long journey, Elijah says. Or or maybe he's just asleep. And here's my favorite mock of Elijah. He goes, maybe he's too busy going to the bathroom to hear your cries. I mean, that's literally what he says. He's too busy going to the bathroom. He's off going to the bathroom. And when he comes back, then he'll hear, hey, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? I mean... The sad thing is, these prophets of Baal, 
They cry out to their God. They cry out to be heard. And there's Elijah mocking them. And then when Elijah mocks them, they shout even louder. They cry out even more. They turn up the music louder. And then they begin to cut themselves. They go into this mesmerizing dance. And the word there is they keep on raving. They kept raving all afternoon, all the way into the evening sacrifice. They cut themselves with knives and spears. And it says until the blood gushed over them and over the altar. And then the sad part was they're doing this to get the attention of their God. It was the custom back then, hey, look, I'm causing myself pain. I'm spreading my blood on this altar. It was a practice back then to hurt yourself to get the attention of their God. And they hurt themselves for three more hours. And you know what the Bible says? They cry out to Baal from morning until noon. They cry out to Baal until probably 3 p.m. in the afternoon. They cry out to Baal, answer us. And you know what the Bible says? 1 Kings 18, verse 26. But there was no sound. No one answered. And then later on in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 29, all afternoon they kept on raving, but there was no sound. No one answered, and here's the saddest phrase, no one paid attention. There was no sound, no one answered, no one paid attention. The idol you raise up to replace God is absolutely useless. It's fake. It's not real. It can't answer you. But people will spend hours pursuing their gods, whether it's the god of sports, the god of money, the god of self-love, or maybe it's a literal idol that they've created in their house to some god. I've heard people are starting to worship the Norse gods again, or, or some other god, you know, and they cry out to this god. But it says in Isaiah 44, verse 19, it says this, no one comes to his senses. No one has the perception or insight to say, I burned half of it in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and ate. Should I make something detestable with the rest of it? Should I bow down to a block of wood, Isaiah says? He feeds on ashes. His deceived mind has led him astray and he cannot rescue himself or say, isn't there a lie in my right hand? Should I make something detestable with the rest of it? Should I bow down to a block of wood? Isaiah is telling his people, don't bow down to useless, empty idols. And these people are cutting themselves, trying to get this God to answer them, and no one paid attention. No one heard, because there is no God there. Or that God has been totally stopped by the one true God, Yahweh. There is a supernatural spiritual battle going on behind the scenes that we don't understand. And I think at this moment, Yahweh said, you're not answering Baal. You're not answering back. No, because I am the true God who controls everything. And it's useless. 
and it's a waste of time. And I want to encourage anybody who's listening, pursue Jesus. Call upon his name. He is the only true God. Everything else is useless and like an empty block of wood. So then Elijah says, all right, come over here, Israel. So they all gather around. And it says that he begins to repair the altar. It seems like there must have been an altar there beforehand. And so Elijah begins to repair this altar. And he takes 12 stones and he begins to lay them out. Now those 12 stones represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And so he's reminding the people as he's building the altar of their history of who they are. And he's reminding the people of those 12 large rocks that only him and his servant, they had 450. He's doing all this by himself. He repairs this altar that had been knocked down, that had been broken, that the people had forgotten, that was given to Yahweh, and he begins to repair it. Takes these 12 big rocks, clunk. There's the tribe of Judah, clunk. There's the tribe of Issachar. You know, he's reminding the people of their past and, and, and of the covenant that they had with Yahweh. Then he begins to dig a trench around this altar. Him and his widow servant, they begin to dig and they dug a big circular trench. Now, the trench was about four gallons deep. Now, an average pitcher is about a gallon. So can you imagine four of those? Four big plastic pitchers that you use to pour your lemonade or your iced tea. Can you imagine digging a trench four gallons deep? I mean, this is a lot of work for him and this servant. Then he lays wood on top of the altar. And then he hacks the bull into pieces. I don't know how him and this servant hack this big, massive bull into pieces. I've tried to get near a bull. Bulls are frightening. Can you imagine how freaked out this bull would have been with all the noise and all the cutting and all the yelling? You know, I, I think the little servant sort of snuck up behind the bull and jumped on him and then you know, sort of rode him like a rodeo and slit his throat and plunk, drops the bull. I don't know, that's how I would have done it. This was not easy, but the dead bull and then whack, Elijah whacks off a leg. Whack, whacks off a head and chunk, chunk, chunks the torso into pieces. There is blood flying everywhere, leg pieces, and you know, I think we forget the nastiness of sacrifice. Sacrifice is nasty business, and, and remember the priest, he would sacrifice many bulls a day, and I think every time he sacrifices a bull with blood flying everywhere, and he's got to put the blood on various places, I think the priest and Elijah is reminded of the great cost that sin brings, and just the brutish evilness of it all. So Elijah eventually take this hacked up bull, and they heave it onto the altar. And then they heave it onto the altar as well. And there, that's it. Elijah did the exact same thing as the prophets of Baal. Altar, same setup, same trench, same bowl. People of Israel, look, exact same altar. 
But then Elijah goes further. He wanted Israel to know that this fire came from God and that this just wasn't show or some sort of magic trick on his part. So he sends the servant down to get four jars of water. Now remember, they are up on a mountain, so this is quite a long track, especially if they got it from the sea below. You know, I can imagine the servant, he probably got some help, and they brought their four jars of water and poured it all over the altar, right? If its altar's wet, if the trenches are full of water... It's going to be really hard for this thing to catch fire. So he brings up four jars of water, pours it all over anything. It took him a while to get it. He's puffing and huffing. And then Elijah says, do it again. And I can imagine the servant guy's like, what? <sighs> and he wanders back down the mountain, gets some water from wherever, brings it all the way back up, and gets four more jars, and whoosh, 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 one more jar, whoosh, all over this altar. And Elijah's like, great, you guys are doing a fantastic job. And Saren puts down his jar, whoo, thank you, great. Elijah's saying, this is awesome. Could you go get another four jars of water? This will be the last one, I promise. Why not just ask for three up front? I can imagine the servants asking. And Elijah says, hey, just do it. Dramatic effect. Come on, just do it. So they go down. They get four more jars. And there is water. Soaking, flowing all over this altar. And it's even running into and filling up the trenches. If a normal person had tried to light this up, I mean, bare grills, remember? I was always amazed how he could just light fires with his flint and that little piece of metal. I bet bare grills couldn't even light this thing. And so here, this altar is flowing with water. And water is everywhere. And this nasty, hacked-up bull is on top with the blood coming down. And then Elijah approaches the altar. And I imagine he stands before it and he raises his hands to the one true God who can answer. And he says, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. It says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord! Answer me, Yahweh, so that this people will know that you, Yahweh, are God, that you have turned their hearts back, back, back and the minute that word back begins to echo around the mount carmel all of a sudden the people see a flaming fire it says it falls from heaven i don't know if it was like a flame that came straight down a continual flame all the way up into the sky or was it like one big dollop of fire 
just had just consumed everything and it burnt the offering and it burnt the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water is what the Bible says and totally drank all the water that was in the trenches. This fire just burnt everything. And when the people saw it, they were so scared. They were so amazed. And they just dropped to their knees. It says they fell face down. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I don't know if they said it in fear. At the sight of the power of God. I think Elijah was just so gloriously excited to see the power of God and the people were reminded once again of who Yahweh was. So Elijah says, Get up. Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. And so all of Israel ran over and they grabbed the 450 prophets of Baal and they brought them down to the river and they killed them all. The Bible says they slaughtered them. Now, why they didn't kill Ahab, I don't know. But Elijah goes to Ahab, hey, you better get to Jezreel. Eat and drink, for there is the sound of a rainstorm. Get to Jezreel, because rain is coming. So Ahab hops in his chariot, and he runs off to get some food. And Elijah sends his manservant up a little bit to the top of Mount Carmel. And he says, hey, I want you to look out... And see, do you see the rain coming? Do you see anything coming there? So, the servant goes to the top of Mount Carmel, to the highest summit, and he looks out. And remember, it's jutting out into the Mediterranean Sea. And he looks, and he looks, and no, nothing. And he comes back down, and he says, No, Elijah, nothing. Nothing there. All right, all right, I need you to go back up and look again. And the servant's like, all right, I'll go back up. He goes back up to the top of the summit of Mount Carmel, and he looks out, and nothing, nothing. And he comes back down. I don't think this was an easy trip for the poor guy. You know, he comes back down. Nothing. There's nothing there. And Elijah says, go again. And so he goes again. Nothing. Go again. Go again. He goes six times, and I can imagine... There's nothing there, Elijah. And he goes, please, go one more time. And he goes the seventh time. And I'm sure by this time the servant's like, I can't believe he's making me go to the top again. I have got my workout today. There's going to be nothing there. And we did all this. And where's the rain? He said he heard rain coming. And he looks out and he sees this little itty bitty cloud. Before it was just bright sunlight, clear sky, but he sees this little bitty cloud, and maybe he goes down halfway, and he goes, hey, I see there's a cloud as small as a man, a man's hand, you know, he holds up his hand, it's teeny, it's as small as my hand, it's coming up from the sea, but that's all I see, and Elijah says, 
we gotta get out of here because the rain is coming. And then it says in a little while, that little cloud that's no bigger than a man's hand gets bigger and bigger and darker and darker. And it says soon the sky grew dark with clouds and wind. And then it starts to come over Mount Carmel and then downpour. Beautiful rain downpour and this rain starts to fall and fall and fall. Remember Ahab, he has to get back to Jezreel to eat and he's he's trying to get ahead of the storm. This water is a deluge. And it says that Elijah wraps up the bottom part of his robe and tucks it into his mantle under his belt. And then it says, in the power of the Lord. I'd love to know what that would have looked like. I can imagine. It's sort of like in Super Mario Kart where you get this mushroom and you can't get killed. Nothing can happen to you and you're super fast. You're glowing. as You beat everybody, you know? I can imagine. It's the same thing with Elijah. In the power of the Lord, he takes off running. Now remember, Ahab has to get to Jezreel ahead of this rain or in the middle of all this rain. And it says in the power of the Lord, Elijah out runs King Ahab, outruns his chariots, runs ahead of Ahab, and beats him to the entrance of Jezreel. Wow. Who are you going to choose, Israel? You got to choose this day. Either you choose God, or you choose to follow Baal. If I win this competition, if my God burns up my offering, are we going to follow Yahweh? Yes. And then Yahweh totally destroys, stomps Baal's neck into the ground. We know whose God is the best, the greatest. It's Yahweh. He destroys Baal with one of the most amazing miracles of all time. And Elijah sees it all, and then it begins to rain. Man, what a story. Who are you going to choose? I just want to leave you this week with that one question. That God who did this amazing thing with the fire from heaven totally burns up as a wet, wet, drenched, wet altar. That same God is alive today. And he says, if you want to come to me, if you want to come to the Father, you have to come to my son, Jesus. You have to follow my son, Jesus. He died on the cross and he shed his blood for your sin. And then he rose again and he defeated death. And if you choose to believe in Jesus, my son, you're going to have my righteousness. I will set you apart. You will be my child, but you've got to choose Jesus. What's it going to be? Who are you going to choose? I pray with all my heart that you choose Jesus.
Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Bald Head Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.